Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding, solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to the first episode of our Designing for Impact series in collaboration with DNAD. In this series, we'll be catching up with the winners of this year's DNAD Impact Awards. And today I chat with the chairman of DNAD, Tim Lindsay. Tune in as Tim and I discuss how DNA came about, its rich history in shaping the careers of some of the world's most highly regarded creatives, the way they will live and care for the planet well into the future. Uh, hey Tim, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, early in the morning. Well, not that early, but in the morning here in, in the UK. So, very well, thanks, Vince. Uh, so good to see you. It's been a, a long time. We've known each other, I guess, over the years for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. Um, yeah. But it's really cool to see you. Whereabouts are you in England? I, I live uh, uh, in Bath, in which to people who've never been to England is in the west of England. Uh, and is a, actually a beautiful mainly Georgian city. Most of it was built as, it's a sort of 18th century Las Vegas, basically. But it's, uh, it was built for pleasure. <laughs> and was it named after the Roman baths that are there? It was, the Roman what name was Aquae Aquai Sullis, which I think means hot, warm water. So there's a, there's a thermal spring here, yeah. which is what brought people back yeah, in the 18th beautiful. century to take the waters, yeah. Amazing, and... A place I'm really fond of is Babington House, Soho House, uh, Babington House, which is not far yeah. from there, right? It's about 10 miles away, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, miss Built that. Um, <laughs> you're making me feel homesick, for Christ's sakes. You've had a phenomenal career over the years in, in advertising and in some major roles, including joint MD of BBH, chairman of Publicis, and now chairman of DNAD. We've got to talk about that a bit. That's, that's quite a, a career, which is pretty incredible. Uh, that's very kind of you to call it a career. Uh, some might call it a series of happy <laughs> accidents, actually. And, uh, and actually, <laughs> I do believe that the secret of success is being in the right place at the right time. I'll give you an example. So yeah. when um, BBH was founded in 1982, a long time ago, uh, uh -huh. Nigel Bogle said to me, I'd worked for them before when they ran TBWA in London. And he said, come back and be the account director on the third account that we win. I was working at another startup called Low Herd Spink at the time. And uh, the third account was Levi's, which I can tell you was a very, very good place to enjoy advertising in the 80s from. So there you go, you know, as yeah. a way of doing nice work, being around nice work and building a reputation. So there you go, luck. It's interesting you say startups because we didn't refer to them as startups in those days, did we? No. It was like I a don't new think business. Like, that's <laughs> right, yeah. They were, they, they, you're absolutely right. Startup was a term that came later. Uh, I think more applied mm. to tech companies, actually, than, than ad agencies, at, certainly at the time. And I, I don't think there was any doubt that either yeah. of those two companies would, would succeed. I mean, the, 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 the founding partners were, you know, blindingly successful in their previous roles so they were they were pretty good bets i think we had uh i was fortunate enough to, ha to we had uh, john hegarty on the podcast a while back that was really fun chatting to him yeah he's great he's a, he's a very he's a fantastic supporter of dnad and one of our sternest critics so i i go see him about you know three or four times a year just uh just to hear what he has to tell us and advise us. And I, I, I always value those uh, 
those sessions actually at his new place, the garage in Soho. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to that. How, how harsh is he then? <laughs> if he's the harshest oh. critic, is he just telling uh, you what's all what's wrong with it? No, no, he's very constructive. He wasn't a big fan of us uh, turning the printed annual into a digital publication. But I, I, oh, I couldn't, cool. I couldn't tell you if he's come around or not. But, but uh, he's an incredible supporter of DNAD. He really is. He started um, yeah, New Blood actually. Yeah. It was when he was president that. Uh, DNAD started its yeah. sort of student activities. Yep. Yeah, really inspiring guy. And still yeah. passionate as ever. Yeah. You grew up in Kenya. Uh, what was that like and how did it shape you as a person? I, I, I actually grew up in Uganda and Kenya um, from about the age of seven to, uh, to when, when I sort of started work, actually. I kept going back out there. I was fortunate enough to go to school in the UK from 13 and then university, but I, I kept going back out there and vacations. It, it did change. It, it gave mm -hmm. you a sort of sense of otherness, not always in a particularly healthy way. It was an incredibly lovely time to be in those countries before, you know, things became problematical, certainly in Uganda and, and Kenya to a certain extent. And I, I, I still am very engaged with African politics and, uh, many years later, I had the opportunity to, to work with President Mbeki of South Africa. This was courtesy of Unilever and the then chairman, Niall Fitzgerald, uh, which was a real privilege, with a guy called Peter Bell, actually. And, and we, we gave advice to Mbeki and his sort of close advisors on a sort of brand South Africa project. Uh, and I realised during that that I was still very, you know, engaged with, with Africa. I, I go back as often as I can take the family it's a look it's still a mm. magical place how did you get into advertising tim uh i got into advertising by by chance like many of the other things that happened to me during my career um I, I was at university uh and i unexpectedly but very happily became a father while i was still at university um uh, and my son ben is now very much a grown-up with his own business and um i was i wanted to be a journalist and i'd been sort of in student journalism at, at university uh but that wasn't going to kind of make me any money anytime soon and i needed to be in london for various for, for 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 various reasons and i sort of stumbled into advertising i mean very happily i have to say i, I was interested in it but didn't it wasn't my first choice of career and i stayed in it because it really was quite interesting and stimulating and something good always came along, you know. So that's how I got into advertising, because I became a father. Oh, and I, my first job was uh, that's interesting. as a graduate trainee at Grey Advertising in 1977. And they, they were in Conduit Street in, in London's Mayfair in the West End. Yeah. Wow, that must have been an interesting time. What kind of accounts were you working on? <laughs> My, my first account was Timex Watches. And we did a campaign oh, yeah. that, that the, the, the strap line was Timex Watches, too good to keep up your sleeve. Uh, done <laughs> by a, a very funny guy who's no longer with us called Roger Barson and his partner. And uh, it was quite good, actually. And, and I worked on Procter & Gamble as well, which was sort of good discipline, but really, really terrible work. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, good training. Oh, funny. And you've, you've been at DNAD now for, for more than 10 years, which is incredible, uh, as a CEO and now the chairman. Um, can you explain to our audience a bit about DNAD and, and what you do? Sure. DNAD was founded 60 years ago this year. So we're in our 60th anniversary year. Founded by a bunch of designers initially, joined by some advertising people and uh, some photographers, actually, all, all men, because that was 1962. Uh, and they got together because there was no way at that time of getting your their names attached to the work that they were doing. And in advertising and design, as in, you know, music and fashion and politics and, you know, lots of other, you know, cultural walks of life, there was kind of new stuff happening. The old guard was sort of being superseded by the new guard. It was 
it was a time when people like David Putnam and you know Alan Parker were coming into the business. Designers like Alan Fletcher, Colin Forbes, and mm. so on. Uh, and and they mm. they that's why they got together. They had an exhibition. So the first DNA D annual is a sixteen-page brochure guide to the first DNA D exhibition. And from then, it, it was founded as a charity, and it 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 just grew uh, over time in sort of status and prestige and popularity, and became initially in the UK, but then kind of globally, a kind of very important show uh and 40 years ago uh john hegarty was president and he he began uh dnad's kind of education programs uh starting mm. sort of training students doing book crits and so on and out of that developed the new blood awards and that's what we are today we're a, a series of kind of learning programs uh, funded by a global award show, which I, I like to think <coughs> retains its prestige. I think I still, I, I still believe. I'm told, if you're a creative practitioner in designer advertising, then a, a DNA pencil is still what you want to win. And of course, there are other shows that you know mm. uh, are prestigious as well. I'm, I'm, uh, and that's where we are now. So, so yeah. And it was one of the world's. If I'm, I'm right in thinking, one of the world's first design. Uh, an advertising competition, wasn't it? It, it, it was early. In fact, uh, I have to say that Cam Lyons is older, but Cam was exclusively about advertising for many decades. Yeah. In, in fact, until you know, relatively recently when it, it opened a, a design uh, section to its awards. And that there are other, you know, design, uh, exclusive design uh, award shows. I think DNA is unique in having been about both parts of the of the community for so long, and it does set up a tension actually mm. quite often, sometimes a slightly fractious tension, but in in nearly all the time a positive and uh, a positive and constructive one. I think it's I think advertising people are very happy to be identified with and you know uh, even called designers. Not so true the other way around, <laughs> but. But, um, uh, yeah. but you know, it's a it's a it's a very constructive, and I, I think joyful coming together of the two communities. Actually, yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing organization. I remember as a young designer, I was actually yeah a junior designer at Pentagram in London, when Alan Fletcher was actually in the building. Yeah, and to just and I remember like the the only way we didn't have the internet then we didn't even have computers so. Uh, they had an amazing library of all these incredible books, design books. And I remember discovering DNAD annuals. And, and as you said, there was like, the, they weren't what they are today. They're massive. Uh, we talk more about that in a minute. But yeah. I, I remember seeing one of the very first, they had the very first DNAD annual, which was like an A4, 16 pages, you said. Yeah. Um, but it's just like amazing to think of an organization even even the looking at that, which was like 1962, I think it was, as you said, um, it was inspiring. Like even like 30 <coughs> years later, it was it was inspiring. The ideas that were on the page that had been selected for being great ideas um, were inspiring to a young designer like me at the time. And I, yeah. I think that like before the internet, that's how you looked at books and magazines, creative magazines for inspiration. Um, today is a very different story. How do you think that's kind of affected um, the creative industry? Um, just just on, on that, I mean, it, although the kind of medium uh, of inspiration has, has changed, as, as you've just pointed out, and we talk about that, uh, the DNA's mission has remained consistent through, it, and it is, and it was, right at the beginning, and still is right now, about stimulation actually as much as celebration it's about stimulating celebrating and enabling mm. excellence in in commercial creativity which is a slightly clunky mission statement but it does sort of cover the bases and 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 now of course inspiration is you know is is you know at the touch of a at the touch of a button you know 24 7 mm. whereas before you had perhaps to go and seek mm. it out a little bit more um and I, I think that's a great thing, actually. I, I mean, I think, you know, you could argue that there's sort of overload, um, but there are also filters and, and people kind of, you know, curating this stuff. 
not just DNAD, obviously, you know, but but everywhere. Um, and I, I, I think that's great. And, and you know, DNAD moved from being British design and art direction to a global uh, operation mm. serving the global creative community. And I think that's incredibly positive as well. There were some people that didn't like that when that happened because they wanted yeah, the sort of exclusive Britishness of it to be maintained. But if, you know, if you're doing work, you want to be judged against the, the best of your peers everywhere ar around the world. And that, that's what DNAD Awards do. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that's to be celebrated. I mean, it comes with some issues, obviously, you know, about, about judging and so on, which we might, might discuss. But in general, it's a great thing. The sort of globalization of the, of the, of mm. the, of the creative community. I, I, I love that. Yeah, uh, I love that too. It's really powerful. And it's great to see how the organization has evolved over the years. I remember again back in <clears throat> like back in London when I had my studio in London, I was just very passionate about DNAD and like any designer winning a pencil that was like the ultimate, you know, because it wasn't, yeah. wasn't about ego. It was in a way a kind of a reconfirmation that what you're doing might be good. Yeah, uh, you know, because there's no other way from I mean, having happy clients is a good indicator of that, but having the industry kind of choose your work uh, to be in or at least be in the book that was always a real, uh, yeah. a nice kind of coup because it, in those days, it also uh, helped in terms of your people being aware of you and it helped you uh, in terms of kind of creating a profile in the industry, in the world as well because this obviously was, was a global book that a lot of people. I looked at yeah um, it played a massive part of my development as, as a designer and it kind of really taught me uh, the importance of ideas and, and as you said stimulating thoughts and inspiration you know when you ever like stuck for ideas you'd look get the annual out and look through it and and you wouldn't copy it but it would it would trigger other people's uh, determination to have great ideas was like infectious you know yeah. and it certainly helped me uh, enormously I mean it's interesting because years went by and I actually was proudly had designed one of the annual, I think it was 2000. And um, I remember David Kester was the CEO at the time, lovely guy. Yep. Um, and it was a similar situation. He showed me like there was like a, a newsletter that went out once a month. It was on an A4 letterhead. And he said like, we want to create a, a publication, create a magazine for our members. And I designed it for all kinds of uh, formats. I, I was constantly changing the formats for 13 years, designed what became Ampersand uh, magazine. Yeah. Um, I guess you guys don't do it anymore, but it was it won lots of awards in DNAD and other design competitions, which was ironic. Um, and it was, um, it, it, was, it was really cool to tell the stories of ideas and how the ideas came about, because obviously you know, that's what people are kind of fascinated by. And um, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool thing to be part of. So uh, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, it was a great publication. Actually. Um, I mean, we, you, mean you don't do the magazine anymore, right? Uh, we, we distribute our sort of that sort of stimulating content in different ways now, but but you know, primarily digitally. Yeah. Uh, but Amp Ampersand is, yeah, you know, yeah. a part of DNAD's history, an important part of DNAD's history. And, you know, People who remember it in the organization remember it with a lot of affection, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and in a way, easy thing to do because the content was always so incredible. This yeah. series is about the Impact Awards, DNAD Impact Awards, which is really, really cool. And um, uh, that we're going to judging very, very shortly, uh, which is around the world. And yep. we'll be featuring some of the most inspiring winners and finalists from this year in the podcast. Can you explain to our audience what the Impact Awards are and how they started? Yes. Um, well, the Impact Awards started uh, about 12 years ago. Um, and, and funnily enough, they got off to a very interesting but kind of false start. So uh, when um, Sankey was president of DNAD and he was then succeeded by Rosie Arnold, uh, they wanted to uh, do something uh, to mark DNAD's 50th anniversary, which it, which it then was. And they had the idea of a white pencil. Uh, and the original concept was to get the sort of global creative community working for a single cause. And, and they found that cause in, in a thing called Peace One Day, which was organized by a very interesting and dynamic uh, guy called Jeremy Gilly. 
And Peace One Day was about a, a year, a, a day's truce on an agreed date around the world in all the world conflict zones. So that, you know, negotiations could be initiated, inoculations of kids could take place, all, all, all the rest of it. And it gained real traction, this idea. Um, and was going to be, have a, an official sort of laying on of hands at a General Assembly of the United Nations, uh, which was a sort of triumph, you know, for Jeremy and, and the organisation and, and would have had, you know, very significant historical impact. Uh, and then four days before that was due to happen, 9-11 uh, happened. And everything obviously was, you know, blown off the agenda. Anyway, Jeremy per persisted and had, with some success, and the, so the first impact awards were ideas to publicise, build awareness of Peace One Day. And there were kind of 50 or 60 original entries, I think. Leah Burnett got very involved. Um, Mark Tutsall, who, who was then Global CCO, was very, very mm. actually yeah, instrumental yeah. In, in getting it, it off the ground. Uh, and there were some great ideas and they ran. And then the question came, became, what do we do next year? You know, there isn't another organisation like this. Most most charities have very you know rigorous approval processes, and are quite political and not always in a good way. So it became uh, the White Pencil Awards, and it, it it evolved then quite quickly into a separate awards show that we held in the autumn uh, in New York, uh, and it, it was a, it was always about ideas that had an impact in the real world, but it became quite quickly also about projects, designs, campaigns, uh, products that sought to leave the world a better place than they found it, as it were, uh, and which in some way built towards one of the uh, UN, uh, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Anyway, about three years ago, we four years ago probably, we, we reabsorbed it back into the main DNAD professional awards. And it's kind of gone from strength to strength. I mean, to, to the extent that actually, well, there are some fantastic entries every year, and that builds, continues to build. We've sort of built out impact as well. I, th I think, uh, Vince, you're on the Impact Council, uh, which sort of provides uh, the jurors, uh, for us, uh, they kind of rotate year by year. Uh, we provide mm -hmm. seed money and mentoring and other kind of material assistance. Yeah. Some of the kind of beta projects that get get entered. And and actually, what's happened, which I think I think is quite interesting, which we, we might want to discuss further, is a lot of black pencil winners are also white pencil winners now. So th th when when mm -hmm. the jury presidents come together to judge. The black pencils at the end of the DNA judging process. A lot of what they want to see is stuff that tries to leave the world a better place and build a more sustainable future. Uh, and you know, so yeah. things like kind of fearless girl, to, to take an example, or uh, I don't know, inglorious fruits and vegetables. You know, they, they they win both white pencils in that impact category and then go on to win black as well because they're just fantastic ideas. You know, three-word address would be another recent example. So, yeah. Well, it's it's incredible. I remember, I remember judging last year. Yeah. And it's interesting. Every time uh, there's judging, there's always instructions saying, well, you're going to need at least three days um, solid for this or eight hours or 15 hours or whatever it might be. Yeah. And in the past, I've just gone, you know what, I've done it in, in like three hours. And I remember sitting, sitting there going, holy crap, they're right this time. And, and I could not believe the, the number of entries and the quality. It was just staggering. It felt to me like that become DNAD was, the Impact Awards was huge. I mean, it's grown from, I guess, a, a trickle of entries and, and in 10 years or whatever it is now to thousands and thousands of incredible yeah. ideas. And you just go, wow. That's the power of ideas. Ideas not just that make things look better, but things that actually ideas that actually change the world for the better. Absolutely, makes like make it's it unbelievable. Better. The thoughts. Absolutely, and and actually, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, this is a horrible phrase, which I hesitate. It sort of captured the zeitgeist. I mean, all of us, I think, are trying to build, you know, a more sustainable future. You know, in our personal lives, in our kind of business lives, 
you know, nationally, globally. And, and, and I think, you know, reactionary forces, you know, that the sort of slightly extreme right wing are reluctant to do this because there's a cost attached to it. You know, if, if, if in building a more sustainable future, you have to make some investments now in order to secure that future. And that's very unpopular with people who want to lower taxes and shrink government and, and all that stuff. But, 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 but and I, I'm, this is a slightly me getting on, you know, a high horse here. You know, there is no future if the world's on fire. You know, co corporations can't make profits if people are kind of fleeing drought and, you know, bushfires and, you know, extreme weather. And, and so the most pro-business stance anyone can take is we have to conserve resources for future generations. Otherwise, there's no future. And, and, and I think our, exactly. business, our business, which is stuff full of, you know, creative brilliance, realizes that and and in small medium and big ways is is trying to address it and i, I truly believe, i'm a i'm an account man i'm not i've never written an ad in my life i truly believe that creativity will solve the problems of you know the political problems that beset us the cultural issues that you know uh you know we're battling with at the moment and and most important of all the climate issues and and technology coupled with creativity will will start to resolve those problems but we do have to be a bit fucking quick about it, to be perfectly honest. And uh, and and actually, yeah. so coming back to DNA D impact and the white pencil is a reflection of those concerns and a stimulus, I hope, of of, of that creativity. Which is why, for us, it's an in incredibly important part of uh, of what we do now. So yeah, that's beautifully said. And I think that yeah, you're you're totally right. This is the massive amount of urgency around this. Yeah, it's interesting to see like like advertising is traditionally was about manipulating people in a clever way to buy something that they didn't want yeah i mean that's that's my summary of advertising i know you got to be careful because you're the chairman of dnad and yep. we're all we're still pro advertising but what a phenomenal medium that was and is and and the the brilliance clever minds in a way i kind of look at that like someone trying to sell cigarettes the wards that the, you know, the, the incredible awards uh, around the world that people have won for selling Silk Cut, for example. Yeah. Uh, a terrible thing, selling tobacco. But the genius that went into it, you just think, what a waste. <laughs> that that's, and it's great to see the world shift, creative shift into doing good. You know, putting that energy in those ideas. Because it's idea, still ideas. It's still powerful ideas that, that, are, that are making a, a conscious decision to do good. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I will say this. I, I, I think most people, including those who work in advertising, think that by and large designers kind of are trying to make the world a better place. You know, even if it's just with a new piece of packaging or, you know, that's what design does, isn't it? And, and I think most designers think mm. by and large that most av advertising leaves the world a slightly worse place. Now, that, of course, is not true. And because advertising no. can be, as you, as you say, Vince can be an enormous force for good and and increasingly often mm. is but it, here, here we get into difficult territory I mean for a whole range of reasons some of which we could go into if you like advertising is not as liked by the general population as it as it was 20 years ago people actually used to like the ads and mm. not I mean by no means all of them were good mm, of course 75% yeah. of everything love watching is a bit crap but people look forward to new camp, you know, a new Levi's ad in the, in the campaign, or a new Stella ad, or an, even a new yeah. Tesco ad, and and uh, and people were entertained and engaged, and it was effective. And now that is mm. not so much the case, I'm afraid. And it's partly because people are pursued by advertising in every, you know, second of their life, online, offline, wherever they happen to be, and that's not a healthy thing, by the way. So, so there's no, there's less respect shown to, you know, you and me, the consumer, than there was, I think, in the past. And of course, you know, there used to be only five media choices. Back when I came into advertising, there were only five media choices. And then there was PR and other, other stuff like that. And now, you know, it's incredibly fragmented, as we all know, which has enabled this relentless pursuit and people don't like being relentlessly pursued by commercial messaging. They just don't like it. And they, no. they respond by trying to avoid it. Uh, and, and we have 
I'll say this. We've gone from a business that created something that people quite liked. I'm talking about advertising here. And which people really wanted to work in to creating something that people don't like anything like as much and which people are now slightly ambivalent about working in if, if we're honest you know and and creative people are you know mm. looking to pursue careers and you know fulfill their fulfill themselves in other in other places and in other ways in in tech in, in tech businesses in design obviously you know in starting their own businesses advertising is sadly a less attractive career uh, option than it was back in the day i wonder if it also coincides with i mean it's interesting at the, at the time like you know in the past there was a ton of money spent on advertising there was a ton of money spent on music videos you know there was much yeah. more money uh available and you just think wow these productions were phenomenal and and the storytelling was incredible and how it connected with you it was just like Oh my God! Do you see that ad? And people, people go to work the next day and talk about an ad yeah. they saw on TV more so than the show they watched, and that was yeah. that was incredible. The craft of that, and it still continues, of course. But I kind of wonder why that, the power of the advertising potential or that communication, that form of communication. Not the form is the wrong thing to say, but if if that was connected with brand more so, like we we do a lot of brand work, you know, creating yeah. brands or re redefining brands. But if we could connect with the end consumer in the way that advertising has done in the past to that success, it's it'd be a phenomenal combination. I don't, never understood why advertising design was kind of like running parallel often. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that is, that's that is true to an extent. <laughs> I, I mean, it's no, it's no accident, of course, that, you know, a whole generation swathe of of, um, of, of movie directors cut their teeth in advertising and then continued to make ads yeah. after they've been successful in the movies. I mean, the, you know, the list, the list is a very long one. And, and they brought those skills to, yeah. you know, 40 second theater as much as they did to, you know, 90 minute theater as it, as it were. And I, and that, I love that about the business. And, I, and of course, there's still great ads and, yeah. and there are still great advertising moments. So, you know, the Super Bowl in the States or, Christmas in the UK. I mean, there, there are still moments when you have to you have to be good to be noticed because everyone else is trying harder. Mm. But that is less that is less. Occasionally, you see something. I mean, I remember seeing Sony balls for the first time as a punter. I was watching. Oh, football. that was good. Came on, and you thought, bloody yeah. hell, this does not happen often enough, and it you know, and it doesn't happen very often anyway. I mean, it's like <laughs> stunning intervention. And it, and so memorable, and but that used to happen much more often oh. than it than it does now. People communicate in different ways, and that's perfectly legit. I, I I actually think people will look back on a kind of forty year period between I don't know about nineteen sixty five and two thousand and five as a as a sort of weird aberration when you know companies intruded into your life, but but then politely tried to you know, make up for the fact that they'd intruded and, and treated you with respect and, yeah. and you know, creativity and was a huge part of that. And I think that's slightly gone now, uh, I'm sad to say. It's really yeah, yeah. gone outdoor. If you look at... God, you just maybe... Oh, my posters yeah. used to be the absolute apotheosis of the advertising art. You know, you've got a yeah, picture, yeah. logo and five words, you know, you know, make something out of that. And now, yeah. oh my God, outdoor... On high street. It's so shit. It's it's just not even worth doing for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, we might have to censor that after. Yes, yeah, sorry. But <laughs> you, you you reminded me of the Sony balls, though. That was like that was oh. like millions of colored balls, little round balls, balls in San Francisco, wasn't it? Rolling right. down the hills. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was just it. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're like going, is that for real? Is that, is that computer generated? And it was for real, wasn't it? It was mostly Just, for real. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. And that's another thing. We used to do these things for real in those days. You know, it was like, it wasn't yeah, all computer generated. Hundreds of thousands of Super Bowl, Super Bowl, you know, bouncy balls down, down there. It was incredible. <laughs> anyway, yeah. 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 We're I'm so not... excited about it today. Yes. I mean, imagine trying to sell the idea into the client. Hey, I got a great idea. Um, there was Fallon. Millions of balls, go to San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Fallon in London that did it. Yeah. They were on. They had a yeah. Yes, 
purple period, you know, when everything they touched, you know, turned to gold. It was amazing. That was part of that, yeah. Yeah, Sony Bravo. Um, yeah. What are the benefits of the Impact Awards and the and the DNAD Awards as a whole, do you think, in terms of the bigger picture? People are, you know, legitimately sometimes critical of, of award shows. And, and, and there are some downsides, which as, you know, as DNAD were very aware of. I, I could... Vince, I could give you a laundry list of all the things that I think are good. I think we've mentioned some of them. I think it encourage, you know, I think yeah, it will yeah. stimulate creativity. I think they show what great creativity can achieve. Uh, I think they're fantastic at, at kind of launching and enhancing individual careers and new companies. Uh, I think uh, the most important part of it all is that the good stuff creates better outcomes than the bad stuff, you know, commercially, socially, politically, culturally, environmentally. Uh, I think, you know, great communication and great design enhance people's lives. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it encourages risk taking in, in a positive way. I, I think there are, I think it attracts people into the business because it, it showcases the great work and says, this is what you could do if you come and work in advertising or design. I mean, I, there are multiple, multiple benefits. Some of the downsides are uh, around the whole area of scam. You know, people doing work that is not actually mm. for consumers or for, for their client, or it can be for the client, but, but is, is just designed to win awards, which is a bit sad and a bit cynical. I always think that's a bit like drugs in sport. Mm. You know, everyone knows it goes on, but it, it doesn't actually, it just sort of brings the whole thing into a bit of disrepute and doesn't really benefit anyone in the long term. Yeah. Um, and it does happen. Of course wow. it happens. But I, I think that the, the benefits immensely outweigh the, the, the disadvantages. And otherwise I wouldn't have spent 12 years of my life, you know, at, D, at DNAD. I, 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 I think awards, not just DNAD awards, but I think awards have a hugely beneficial uh, effect on, on our business and, and the people that work in it. And people often talk about the, and it, again, it happens again recently where people keep asking, why is there less women in advertising or design um, than there is men? Um, and that's, I think that, that was over the years, I remember talking to DNAD about events and stuff, that was always in the uh, conversation point. Is that, is that shifted over time? Uh, so the gender balance issue has long been an important thing for DNAD. And of course, it's important for the industry. And, and actually, the industry is full of nice, mainly liberal, good-natured people who would like to address issues. But people have been talking about gender balance, particularly at senior levels in advertising design, for decades. And actually, not much has happened mm -hmm. before, until recently. Yeah. So at DNAD, we uh, are very much led by our uh, awards director, Donald Keenan, and, and the rest of uh, the organization. We wanted to make our juries 50-50. Uh, in gender terms and everyone said you can't do that there aren't enough senior women and we said we can do that and we will and so for the last five years we've had a 50-50 balance and uh, the result is uh, the, the, the awards have prospered and re retained and even increased their prestige and the quality of the discourse in the mm -hmm. juries has improved if, I, if I'm honest. Uh, right. And 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 so right. DNAD and the judging process has has entirely benefited from that. We've also tried to make the juries mm. uh, more diverse, sort of demographically, but in particular yep. ethnically. Uh, we've had more countries yep. represented, more nationalities. I mean, ironically, the pandemic, for all the bad things it's done, has actually enabled that because judging has been. Uh, remote mm. and that's enabled us to to accelerate yeah. that um we will go back uh, i'm almost certain to some form of hybrid judging so some of it next year 2023 will yeah. take place face to face um but we will try very hard to maintain that diversity and, and to increase that and the gender balance thing i think there were this year there are more women judging than than men you know so in, in the business overall, uh, I think finally working conditions for women have improved uh, and, and, you know, the, there's more flexibility uh, around, around uh, 
uh, that and that has made it easier for women to progress to senior positions. So people like Ali Hanan of Creative Equals has, has done fantastic work in this area and, and Dinity is very proud to partner with Ali in, in that. And there is, I mean, first of all, baby steps, but now I think big, bigger steps are being taken in that regard. Um, so mm. it's, been a, it's been a long process, but I think there are some fruits of, of, of all that beginning to show. COVID yeah. affected all of us in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, good and bad, over, over the last few years. Um, and you talked about kind of, which was really cool to see the, the shift from uh, judging in person at DNAD in London, uh, which obviously was a very costly exercise, but equally really cool to meet people who you've never met before, people you thought or if, you know, who are, you look up to, etc. Yeah. It was really cool. You talk about kind of the big push around diversity and inclusion and the launch of Shift. What is Shift and what is its purpose? Uh, well, Shift is a, it, uh, very simply, is a night school for people without uh, um, tertiary university qualifications. So the, the only qualification is that you're not allowed to have a qualification, not allowed to have a degree. So it's for people with creative talent who have not found a way into the industry, but, but want to get into it, or in some cases might not even be aware of it actually. Mm. It's a night school, so those people don't have to give up yeah. their day jobs if they have one. Uh, it runs for 12 yeah. weeks. It's mm -hmm. supported by the community. So teaching, mentoring, space, booze, food, uh, all that. DNAD designed the curriculum and we, we recruit the community to deliver it. It, we, it started in London. It's now in its seventh iteration in London. I think it's run, it's in its fourth mm -hmm. iteration, fifth iteration in New York. And you may know, Vince, I'm sure you do, that we, we've, we've just launched it in Sydney and it's going gangbusters. And it, it's, it's actually a talent program, first and foremost, but it, it, it yeah. attracts an incredible diversity of, of people. It's small numbers each time. It's between sort of 15, 16 and 20 people go through each program. Mm -hmm. and, and the key metric is, do they then start to make a living in the creative industries? Not necessarily in a you know conventional advertising or design agency, but in in some branch of of the creative industries. And it has an incredible success rate. It, it it's something between sixty five and seventy percent of people who've been through the program, and now making a living in the industry. Amazing. Uh, and it's important for two reasons. Important in its own right because it gives people an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise have had. But it's majorly important in that it demonstrates to the, the industry that you can and should recruit talent from this previously untapped but vast pool of creative talent. And, and we've been yeah. very bad at it historically. Yeah. Actually, we've gotten worse at it because speaking from the UK perspective for a moment, you only used to uh, need O-levels to go to art school. Uh, and people with a, a talent of, you know, some kind of credit talent would find their way from quite disadvantaged backgrounds into art college and then into the advertising and design industry. And, but now all those art colleges have become universities and you need A-levels. And anyway, there are now tuition fees at which disproportionately, uh, you know, yeah. deflect people from poorer backgrounds, from, you know, uh, uh, getting, uh, you know, onboarding all that debt. So actually advertising, I'm talking about advertising in the UK here, became less demographically diverse over the 30 or 40 years that I've, I've observed it. And that, that's a real shame for the business because there's, there's tons of evidence that says more diverse organizations produce better, better uh, solutions for clients. And you know, we sell or make things, yeah, yeah. design things for incredibly diverse audiences. And yet agencies and design studios themselves are not particularly diverse. So that's why, uh, so I sound very pompous saying all that, but that's why shift is important because no. it's a diversity mechanism yeah. as, well as, a, as well as a talent program. So we, uh, I think, yeah. I mean, shift and impact probably have emerged as two of DNAD's kind of flagship programs. So the, the awards are still hugely important for all the reasons we've discussed, but, but mm -hmm. shift and impact are, kind of in the vanguard of where the industry can be headed if we, if, if we do the right things. 
Really cool. I mean, shift is amazing. Giving people a chance that might not have had it before. Yeah. Like I, 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 I was fortunate enough to um, discover design through going to an art college. That I had no qualifications for that, but I did like a, a general course, and I, and I, one of the, one of the parts parts of the course was you know design visual communication. I think at the time. Yeah. And I really got excited about it. It was a BTEC diploma, and I remember doing two years of that, and then trying to apply to you know, St. Martin's and Falmouth and all these different places around the country. And I, I didn't get on the course. I, didn't, I couldn't do a degree, which I felt a bit of a failure. But I kind of now learned through doing. A lot of creative people aren't particularly academic. And that's where that, that issue uh, can stop people getting, you know, seeing creativity as a, as a potential career. Yeah. And a really incredible career, actually. So wonderful that you're doing Shift. There's still a big shortage of creatives uh, around the world i don't know why why, why is that where we are constantly looking in, in sydney in australia people constantly saying that they can't find creative talent it's really bizarre when there's so many people producing creative talent well, where, where are they all going <laughs> well I, I'm not, I don't expect you to have the answer for that no, no, I, I think i think a lot of people who would I'll give you 18 percent commission <laughs> that's generous the um my wife's a headhunter she uh, uh, <laughs> um, oh, is she? I'll have a yeah. word with her later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a again risk of sounding slightly pretentious here. There's a sort of been a creative diaspora, if you like. I think people who would previously in our youth, Vince. Well, you're, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you, but back in the day, yeah. would have, have almost so. automatically gone into advertising or design. Now have many other options open to them. I mean, so, you know, the tech yeah, companies true. recruit, yeah. you know, lots and lots of creative people every year. Uh, there, are, there are companies in, in this phrase, in-housing talent, sort of building their own creative capability uh, within, within the, the client company. There are people starting their own businesses, I think, earlier and, and uh, you know, yeah. enabled by, by technology, perhaps quicker than they otherwise yeah. would have done. Um, and so, the, so there are people who would describe themselves as creatives, creative practitioners, but they certainly don't all work in advertising design anymore. They work, you know, across, uh, you know, a whole multiplicity of, of, of um, categories and businesses. And I think that's, that's one of the challenges to, to, to make advertising and design yeah. attractive again uh, is, is, is a challenge. And then I think there is another issue. I, I don't want to be critical of arts universities, but I think some of the things being taught in them don't particularly equip their graduates that well for, for life in the professional industries. Yeah. And, and a lot of what New Blood does more generally, which we haven't really talked about that much, but there, there are many programs, including the Student Awards and the New Blood Academy and so on, are designed to mm -hmm. help... Uh, uh, people kind of hit the ground running, as it were, when they when they actually do get into the business. Yeah. Shift is also about that, obviously, but it, it starts from further back. Shift. So yeah, I mean, th th there's a there's a complete talent shortage, uh, and I, to a certain extent, I think advertising in particular, but maybe to a certain extent, design slightly brought that on itself um, by not maybe adapting fast enough, moving quickly enough. You know, recruiting in the right places, certainly recruiting in the right places is, is an issue. And growing your talent from within organizations I as mean, well. I mean, uh, advertising, obviously a really important part advertising of, of, makes this mistake. Every time there's a recession or a downturn, it stops recruiting. And then, you know, when clients come back and want to spend money, there's no one to do the work. I mean, that's exactly what's happened during the pandemic. So they just, you know, you repeatedly mm. shoot themselves in the foot. It's a bit pathetic, actually. Well, I guess that's survival at the time, though, isn't it? Yeah, but... I mean, you don't employ people to sit around if you haven't got any clients. <laughs> but, 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 yeah. Do you cut your, you know, your, your graduate, you know, recruitment uh, and then a, a, a plan, scheme, and then, you know, two years later, you find yourself paying 50% over the odds to get, you know, a two-year-old account manager. I mean, yeah. that's what happens. So, it's kind of, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's, 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 been, it's been a crazy time. Yeah. In that regard, and we're—I think a lot of people are doing different things. I mean, and, and thank, thank DNAD for uh, uh, doing what they do to to find talent, grow talent, give people opportunity to thrive creatively in the world, which is such a, a wonderful thing to do. And uh, you know, what's wonderful about being a creative is the 
is the contribution to doing good and that's where we come back to the impact awards and yeah. i also want to like you you're, you've had an incredible career i ask this question every time at the end of a podcast and answer it as you will uh, have you designed your life oh gosh have i designed my life i i've got a lovely wife two great dogs i live in a great place i've got four fantastic children I think none of it was particularly designed, uh, Vince. I'm, sh- I'm ashamed to say. I think I've taken, I've, I've, t- I've made yeah. the most of the opportunities that have been put in front of me. But I, I have to say, I never had a plan, yeah. and therefore I never had a sort of a design that 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 you know gradually came came together. If if I imagine where I am now at the age of 66, and I would certainly have tried to plot a course towards it. But I didn't know that this was how it was going to end up. I think I've just been, as I kind of started by saying, I, I, I think I've been very lucky. I think success is a lot about being in the right place at the right time. Uh, and and I have been. I have been, particularly with DNAD. I mean, that kind of fell into my lap in a very unexpected way. Uh, and it's been the best 12 years of my working life. I, I've absolutely loved it. And I, I continue to do so. Oh. Well, it shows. It shows that you're so passionate in doing such great things and navigating, um, you know, this world that we're not sure where things are going today, are we? No. But it's uh, really, really wonderful to catch up with you, Tim, and, and, and thank you for your time. Well, we're looking really forward to um, interviewing the, the, the Impact winners, which are going to be coming up in the next few months, yeah. uh, and sharing that with our audience. Uh, Vince, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, DNAD really appreciates it. That's cool. Thanks for listening in to today's episode of Designing for Impact in collaboration with DNAD, featuring DNAD Chairman Tim Lindsay. Tune into the next episode where I'll be catching up with the first of the five Impact Award winners from this year's DNAD Awards. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.